Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Put homemade oak bar for yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Craig. Bucks in the basement. 30 minutes of Pirates talk for fans, by fans, all brought to you by those that made the hat that Craig is wearing. I know it showed up on social media if you follow any of the Bucks in the basement accounts on the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, whatever. It is a black hat, gold Y, three dynasties, one brand. It is Yin's. I like your Yin's hat. High quality comfort, lightweight materials, and they're bringing you bucks in the basement. It is a brand new modern look for the black and gold. You can follow Shop Yins for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at shopyins.com. Remember, there's two Z's at the end of that. Made for Yins by a Yinzer. Check out all they have to offer and grab a hat just like what Craig's wearing right now. I kind of wish we had like a video podcast instead of an audio one. Make sure you put... Another image of that back up on the social media. All right. Pirates made their first move uh, before the trade deadline. I don't believe it will be their last move. And I like the move. What did you think about the return for Daniel Vogelbeck? Yeah, I, Chris, in the beginning, I, I always have like the immediate fan reaction, which is just like, okay, we got a, you know, this reliever from the Mets. So what, what did we really get? I mean, we may get into this, and we've always talked about how, you know, the bullpen is one of the last pieces that you build uh, in this type of, you know, rebuild, build, whatever you want to call it that we're going through. Um, but seeing, you know, his age, seeing what he had done um, throughout the minors, seeing what he's done this year in the major leagues with the Mets, and I know it has been strictly as a reliever. I just basically started to think, is this guy's future as a starter done? I mean, we've seen the, you know, Charrington acquire like a Zach Thompson who had come up through the White Sox system and, you know, got some looks last year uh, in a relief role for the Marlins, a little bit of starting, not super young. I mean, you know, Thompson 27, uh, Holderman 26, but still, you know, fairly young in starting their careers. And it's, at this point in time, it's more about the control. And they sent him down to AAA. And I want to see, you know, especially like this year, I, I would see him being in a relief role. But as we go into the offseason and as we go to next year, um, is he a guy that they could potentially stretch back out? A- and they have time to figure that type of stuff out. And you did it for Daniel Vogelback, who, I mean, he's a fun dude. 270 pounds. Him running around the bases, he was already on like Mets Twitter, supposedly causing an earthquake by going from like second base to home or something. And and they love this. It's a fun guy. He is a DH platoon player. 
It, could you put him at first base? Uh, yeah, in a pinch. But for the most part, the guy absolutely crushes righties. Doesn't do, you know, doesn't do terrible against lefties, but for the most part, you really want him in there against those righties. You've got a pretty cheap contract next year. Uh, he has the 200K uh, buyout. It's like $1.5 million. And he has that extra year of arbitration after that to be able to get a, a more polished player. I mean, people were saying, and I didn't disagree with them, that, you know, if you could get a a starter, you know, in double A, maybe that's on the cusp of moving up to triple A and has, you know, a sort of a ceiling or just some of that potential. I would have maybe even gone for that too, but you, you basically get a guy who has in a small sample size done well in the major leagues and, and has a little bit of that pedigree. And obviously if he's like the number 10 prospect, like within their system, they're, is at least some stuff out there that independent scouting is showing that he is he's a, he's a pretty solid you know pitcher. I like him. I like this move a lot, and 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 I want to explain why. First of all, what you said. Oh, wouldn't it be great if they ended up getting themselves a double A pitcher that was getting ready to go to to triple A? That's a starter, and that's what he is. See, I view him, and I think what the Pirates view him as, I view him as a starting pitcher. That's why he's down in the minors right away. That's why he's not sitting in the bullpen wasting his time in in really what is the least important of all positions on your Major League Baseball team when you're doing a build. You do the bullpen last, and I'm sure we'll get into that more as we talk about other things on this show today. When I look at him and his rise through the minor leagues, he moved quick. He goes rookie ball, he gets into single A and low A in 2017, he moves himself through all their different A-ball affiliates in 2019, he didn't pitch in 2018, and he had a year off in there, and I, I got to do a little bit of exploration as to why that is, probably an injury, but he, he pitches as a starting pitcher in 2019, and he goes 15 starts out of his 16 games. And he puts up a walks and hits per innings pitch, the whip of 1.281, which is solid. He's not giving up any home runs either during that stint. 0.4 home runs through nine innings he's giving up. And he's striking out nearly seven per nine while he's down there. He's He looks like a good player. And his stats before that had shown that he keeps guys off base pretty regularly. And then they the Mets got an idea to move him up quickly through the ranks. And in 2021, after another year basically off because of COVID, and now this guy's missed two seasons out of three, they go, well, we don't want to waste his potential. He's 25 years old. Let's make him a bullpen piece and let's get him up here quicker. And so he excels in the bullpen, double A in 2021, triple A in 2022. In fact, he was down in triple A before he got up to the Mets with a 0.837 whip in relief over 11 games, and they go, let's bring him up, and guess what? He didn't miss a beat in the majors. He has the uncanny ability of keeping runners off base. That is a very hard thing to find consistently in a pitcher as they move up through the ranks. You'll see these bumps and these bruises, and all of a sudden, they get out of whack, and then you hope they come back to being able to do that. This guy does it consistently throughout his entire career from the moment he was at the lowest level with the Mets all the way through now. He did it as a starter. He did it as a relief pitcher. And I think that the Pirates said, 
we can move a guy like Vogelbeck and we can pick up a guy that maybe should never have been moved to the bullpen. And we can go send him back down into the minors and we can stretch him out. And we may have a rotation piece here. He's only 26 years old. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, wait a minute, hold on, my friend. You're actually a starting pitcher. You're Or you're one of those guys that's like the three, four inning reliever that you could put in the middle of a game. And, and he could be a very, very valuable piece to this team in the future. And that's the kind of move you want to make here before the trade deadline when you're moving on from a guy like Vogelbeck, who, let's be honest, as much as you enjoy him as a Pirates fan, there are a lot of Daniel Vogelbecks out there. You'll find another guy equal to or better than him when you go out in the free agency, when you go out to try to make minor trades. There's lots of him. He's not a superstar. He's a guy who is having a great season, a great first half, good enough for you you to be able to move him. You moved him and you picked up a piece that could actually pay off big time down the line for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I love this move. It's a sneaky good move. You grabbed a relief pitcher off of a team that found him expendable, and you may view him as something greater than that. Yeah, and Chris, I just want to touch on that the 2018 season that he missed was because uh, he had Tommy John surgery. Okay, so that that also makes incredible. Think about that. That makes incredible sense then. He comes back from Tommy John. Normally when a guy comes back from Tommy John, they struggle. This guy didn't even have that. He didn't even have that. He, If you look at his stats, they're so consistent throughout the years. He took a year off, came back and pitched and pitched well. This guy, look, it's such a it's such a hard thing to find pitchers that consistently keep guys off base. That's what this guy does. That that is so much more important than than striking out a ton of guys or you know. And he still he's got a fairly good strikeout rate. He doesn't give up a lot of home runs. This is the kind of guy you want at 26 years old who has potential. That's a great pickup. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I sometimes you see guys that are highly hyped, and then you look at their stat line, you go, well, and the scouts must see something I don't see. I can look at this guy right here and say, he's good. Yeah, and and like you mentioned, Chris, I mean, getting a, a Daniel Vogel back, I mean, he did more than you could have expected for a guy that was signed for $800,000 in the offseason with the hope Along with, I know that, you know, people are, are frustrated that Yoshi's still on the team. Basically, I, I put this out here into the Twitterverse at one point in time that you gave them a total of less than $5 million to try to flip at least one of them. If you got to flip both of them, that would be great. But in the end, you wanted to flip at least one of them, and you did that. And like you're saying, Chris, at first when you're just like, okay, I see relief pitcher Mets a guy that I don't know a ton about, but once you get in there and you start looking at, you know, the metrics and, you know, the the great sinker that he has and just his pitch mix. And like you said, coming up through the system and not struggling, I got kind of excited and seeing that you said he was a starter, Tommy John surgery, moved to the bullpen, moved quickly throughout the system. Yeah. I'd like to see what the pirates are going to do with him in the future. I'm, I'm really excited about that one. And like you said before this, Chris, this is the first of at least one to two more trades I see the Pirates making. Who do you think they're moving? Quintana, of course, right? I mean, I'm I'm hearing buzz around the league of teams that are interested in maybe grabbing him up and, and they need extra starting pitching. And this is what we kind of expected to happen. Yeah, and 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 Quintana is is the definite, he's like almost like the gimme. Uh if if he's not moved, I mean, man, I would be I'd be pretty close to shocked on this one just because like you said there are those rumors out there 
Um, Quintana, even though he's struggled at times, has been the most consistent pitcher uh, for our team the entire season. And, I mean, not that it really matters much, and actually it doesn't matter at all. When I went to the game on Saturday, had one of his his better starts. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, trade value goes up. And it's like, no, people know who Jose Quintana is. It's nice that he had that good start. But the, the buzz was already there before then. And as long as he didn't get completely plastered or injured in that start, I mean, Jose Quintana's market is what it has been, you know, at least I think for like the past month or so. Yeah, I would think so. I think he's one of those guys that, uh, that, well, I think his former team, the White Sox, are interested in him from what I what I can read. And and that's a team that's known for bringing back players that used to be in their system. It's like they 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 love building statues and uh and keeping <laughs> yeah, keeping the same guys in the fold. I mean, the Pirates might be able to pull off a move there. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I know that they're one of the possibilities that are out there. You know, another guy that I I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he got moved because a team may say we need to get a little bit more left-handed in the lineup. Ben Gamble. I mean, at, at 30 years old, sure, he's only hitting 245. He's only got an OPS of 715, but he's at least the league average and he's a lefty. And teams like to have enough options coming off the bench. And he wouldn't cost a lot. If the Pirates are willing to move him, they might pick up a piece again where you can try to find something sneaky that you think you know, that's where you depend on your scouting. So whatever you're getting back, you're getting something that that team probably doesn't value as much as you value because you see something you can do with them. Like take a relief pitcher who used to be a starter and say, wait a minute, this guy might be a starter. Like try to find that. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if you if, if you saw him move just because of the left handedness and the fact that he's having at least an average season at the plate and can play the corner outfield. <laughs> A great place to catch a Pirates game, Patrick's Pub and Grill, with some weekly specials I want to pass along. On Tuesdays, Founders All Day IPA is only $3.75, a Moosehead, $3.75 on Wednesdays. They have drafts from Rusty Rail on Thursdays for $3.99. Good Times Karaoke gets in there every Wednesday from 9 until midnight. Open mic every other Tuesday at 6 p.m. on that beautiful patio. And Sunday is wing day, buy eight and get the other eight half off. Great food, big bar, lots of TVs. Check them out at 1207 Spring Run Road Extension and look up everything at patrickspub.org. All right, so I floated Gamble out there. Anybody else? I'm almost thinking of like a Gamble or or possibly a Kevin Newman. Uh, just because since Kevin Newman's come back, I wouldn't. I wanted to touch on this last week a little bit, and I, I didn't really get to. Whenever Kevin Newman gets a hit, it's almost it's almost like Pirates Twitter is mad that he's doing well. It's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Like ben, like he he got a double on Saturday when I was there, and it was like the the lowest roar for any hit. Like during that game. Yeah, but he's not doing well. You see, you see one hit and you go, oh, well, you know, I mean, he's doing well. He's not doing well. Over the last two weeks, he's played in nine games. He's hitting 182. 
with, with a 543 OPS. He's not doing well. He's still terrible. I, I don't see anything there. Why would anybody want him? I mean, let's be honest. Why would any team in baseball give up anything for Kevin Newman? He has not demonstrated in any way this year that he's capable of being a contributor. He's not hot right now going into the trade deadline. He's got he's got a slick glove. Like people like his defense and people like his eye at the plate, but it doesn't matter how well he sees the ball when he can't hit it. So yeah, I I, I don't I don't think he's something anybody wants. If, if Ben Charrington's able to get a bag of baseballs and maybe some free bus tickets between AAA and the major league system, then that would that would be a score right now for Kevin Newman. I know, man. I you know how much I like that guy. No, I, I don't I know take, why you do though. He's he's not I, a good baseball player. I know. I gotta take my fan hat off on that one. Like here's the thing: you you hated Cole Tucker. Like you picked on Cole Tucker all the time. I see no difference between him and Kevin Newman. <laughs> like, not at all. They're the same. It's basically the same dude. Just one had long hair. Maybe that's what annoyed you. Maybe you're like, ah, oh, look at this hippie. Look at this hippie. He's got the famous girlfriend and he's always on television. He annoys me. I like this clean cut Kevin Newman kid, even though he's just as bad. So I like his moxie. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's I, but going back to it, dude, it's, it's pretty much, I would say Ben Gamble would be the other one. Uh, earlier in the season, we were talking about Gamble, you know, before he got injured as, as a guy that you could see, uh, maybe keeping and trying to extend and making him your fourth outfielder. But with, you know, what we've seen from Jack Swinsky, and I know that Jack Swinsky's, you know, back down in AAA right now. Uh, what we've seen with with Cal Mitchell, you know, just the the somewhat potential and promise that exists there. I mean, you still have a swaggerty. You have Kanan Smith and Jigba who will be back, you know, from his wrist injury next year you you have so much you know other other players that could be moved um and seen in the outfield position and that you really want to see and you know as much as i like love ben gamble he makes like you know another high highlight real catch uh in the outfield against chicago on on monday night i i still look at him and he's he's not the greatest defender like that's the thing I kept on pointing out to everybody, like when they were just like, oh man, Ben Gamble makes all these great catches. I'm like, no, but Ben Gamble is like a negative five, like defensive run save. Right, exactly. In left field. I mean, he's he's a right fielder. He's too defensive. Like he's and especially at PNC Park and you know, that left field, he will make some of those high highlight role plays when he gets a good jump on the ball and stuff like that probably better suited to be in the right field. But like you said, a veteran bat teams are going to look for something like that. So yeah, I, those would be the two. So that's where it was going towards. Yeah. Cause you know, what Gamble is, is he's the left-handed bat off the bench for a contending team, a team that could sit there and say, all right, we just want the absolute best 26 men that we could have on this team. And we're, we need one more left-handed bat. He, he makes a little bit more sense for an, uh, an American League team because he can be thrown in the DH spot if they want to go left-handed heavy against somebody because of his defense. But in reality, he probably would barely start if he, if he went to his new team. He's not an impact player. He's a piece. He's a guy that they want to have available down the stretch and in the postseason when all of a sudden they need another left-handed bat. And they want somebody who's in their 30s, who's a little bit more veteran, that they have enough of a book on, that they're like, we know what kind of a player he is, instead of somebody who's younger, who you don't know how they're going to react because they've never been in any kind of 
like situation before where, you know, they actually have to come up with a big hit or something. I mean, I, I think Ben Gamble, he's he's like a, a luxury piece for a team that isn't sitting around looking for anything except those little tweaks as they head into the postseason. Think about the teams that are way up in the standings, like a team like the Yankees. Like if all of a sudden they said, we need another left-handed bat, like Ben Gamble's not making it into their lineup, so they're not going to give up a ton for him, but that's where you go and you try to search and you try to find something that works for you. You know, the real failure here, unfortunately, are the amount of guys like Kevin Newman or even Josh Van Meter who didn't do well enough that you can move them. Because there's always teams looking for middle infielders and and guys like uh, of that ilk in case there's an injury and those guys are they're they're not they're not pieces you can't move them you have a very finite amount of guys would you move David Bednar if somebody came knocking I know he's struggling recently I'm not that worried about it but would you move him or one of the bullpen pieces because some people would would cringe at that but on the other hand you see bullpens get built almost last every time by any contending team that goes and does anything in the postseason. They're easier to find at the end. If the right deal came along, would you move them? Yeah, and that's where like my mind was going to go, Chris. I was going to bring up like the two other names that I've kind of seen rumors of, people writing articles about, uh, especially recently. David Bednar's the first one, and then we'll get to Mitch Keller because that's another one that I've seen because people are still questioning whether, you know, what Mitch Keller has been doing is real. Um, with David Bednar, do I want to see David Bednar moved? As a fan, absolutely not. Like David Bednar, Mars PA, you know, we got him in the tra- Joe Musgrove Grove trade almost as like a throw-in. He was our all-star. What was it? Edwin Diaz you know, went there and wanted him to pitch in the ninth inning of the All-Star game because he hadn't been there and he went to the manager and kind of rallied behind David Bednar and got him in. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I as a fan, I wouldn't want to. But when I look at, like you said, teams that are, you know, building bullpens, and even if you go back and you look at the Pirates' bullpens, of like 2011, 2012, 2013, you know, there were pieces that were in there that ended up being moved, like like a Jason Grilly, who I know was older, so it's a little bit different, but pieces that you thought that, you know, maybe could be, you know, when you were contending. And honestly, I mean, I'm not going down the rabbit hole, but 2015 was, was one of our best teams. And it's not the same bullpen that was there in like 2011 and 2012. One of our best bullpens, one of our best teams. So for a player like David Bednar, especially when we go back and and we had Matt Caps on after he had had like that long outing uh, in, I think it was the Dodgers. And he, you know, had pitched for, for two innings, and we were talking about, are, are they using David Bednar too much? And then he ends up, you know, kind of like teetering on and, and like the injured list and the back problems and whatever. I mean, just some numbers here. And I know you go to whip, Chris, and so I'm going to give you the whip first. It's my favorite. S- since that time, in 19.2 innings, over 18 games, he has a 1.47 whip yeah that's not a closer closer's got to be below one honest to goodness closer's got to be below one generally when you see a closer that gets a a little bit north of one they're starting to struggle and when they're 
I don't know, in the 110s, the 120s, they're not really closers anymore. They're middle relievers. That, that, that's just the way, if you line up all the closers and all the relief pitchers in baseball, you'll see that trend with that number. So it's really easy to identify. No, that's, that's terrible. It's atrocious. I think it's more of a bump in the road, but he's a relief pitcher and relief pitchers have ups and downs, good seasons, bad seasons, good months, bad months. And he may need to be slowed down here. I think that David Bednar is still somebody who can not only contribute for you in the future and maybe even before this season is over, even though it doesn't really matter that much, but he's also the kind of guy that would be here contributing when you start making your run, when your window starts to open up. That said, I don't think he's essential to that window. You know, the only reason why I would think he'd be essential to the window is because When it's time to go get a closer, if you can't find one in your own system, you're going to pay a lot of money. And this is not a team that has a lot of money. He has to do more before you decide, I'm going to give him a big long-term deal and lock him in as the closer forever. So I I would never do that. I I, I would never do that with any relief pitchers. I don't think relief pitchers you should sign for more than three years at, at most. And you better really like them. Because if you're a relief pitcher, it's because you weren't good enough to be a starter. And there's lots of arms that get live and then are far less live depending month to month, year to year in bullpens. So I'm not giving up on him and I'm fine with them keeping him. But if all of a sudden a team came along and said, we're going to give you a a high-end prospect because this is the year we're winning the World Series and we don't even need him to be the closer. We just want to put him in other situations where he can lock down in you know, big situations in the in, in the game. Seventh inning. All of a sudden, here comes David Bednar. We want that. We want that bullet in the chamber for our team that's trying to win a World Series. I'd move him. Okay, I know it's really going to upset a lot of people, but I I would because we're looking at the formation of a team of the future that should start competing next year. But really, really, if we're going to talk about postseason and runs at championships, the earliest you may see that happen. You may see that happen as 2024, and I don't know what he's going to be in 2024. So uh, it really depends on the deal for me. Yeah, and another one that kind of kind of fits into that for me, Chris, is Will Crow. Will Crow um, last year was our, I will say, our most consistent starter, as in he didn't get injured and started the most games for us. I uh, made a move to the bullpen uh, and started out almost being like him and Dylan Peters in the beginning of the season played off each other. He was the long relief, you know, right-hander Dylan Peters was the long relief left-hander. Starting off the year, Chris Stratton was supposed to be the setup man. Chris Stratton has struggled. So Will Crow, you know, because of how well he was pitching, ended up becoming the like kind of de facto setup man it was like if we could just get to the you know eighth inning and we bring in will crow and we bring in david bednar it's just gonna you know it's gonna lock things down and i just wanted to go over during that same time that bednar has been struggling will crow has pitched in even 23 innings has a 1.39 whip has also been struggling but still has you know some of the peripherals and stuff that's out there it's not like once again it's i'm not saying to we have to move will crow and that will crow is terrible and that you know this is his downslide and people are catching on to him maybe he's not in the right positions who knows but when you're in this part of the rebuild 
like I said, man, the bullpen to me is if you can move them for some some pretty good pieces, you know, later on when you want to be competing, like you said, two to three years from now, like really competing. Um, I, I can't say that I, I wouldn't be opposed to moving a Will Crow as well. And especially when people are like, oh man, worst trade ever because we got... You know, that's that's all we got for for Josh Bell was a terrible starter and Will Crow and Eddie Yeen down, you know, a lottery ticket down the minors. Well, if you can then flip Will Crow for something else, that's how the trades continue to evolve. And like one trade can be a quote unquote bad trade, but can turn into something else later on. Listen, uh, another guy that might have uh, you might hear a knock at the door for is Dylan Peters because he's a lefty. Yeah. And if you take out. If you take out the game against Colorado on the 15th of this month, where he just gets blowed up, like he's in Colorado and over two innings, he gives up six <laughs> earned runs. If you take that out, he's worth a team going and knocking on his door that needs a left-handed pitcher. There are several contending teams that have left-handed relievers currently on the IL for the next couple of weeks. I want to mention the trade last year that Ben Sherrington made with the Boston Red Sox. Moving Austin Davis, who had pitched only nine... 0.2 innings for us, you know, in relief, 1.138 whip, and, you know, has been eh, not great for Boston this year as a relief pitcher. We got Michael Chavis for him. Right. So, I mean, just a move like that, and even if Michael Chavis ends up, you know, not working out for the Pirates, how nice is it to be able to get to take a swing on a guy like Michael Chavis for a reliever like Austin Davis? Exactly. You just made the point. I'm pretty smart. <laughs> now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing but they-